The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined by one tabletop co-host, Shane Kelly. And this week, we are returning to our uh, normal format and actually talking about a short game called Betrayal at Club Low. This game was uh, published and developed by developer Cosmo D and is available on Mac, Linux, and Windows platforms. Uh, a a really fun, interesting little game. I'm excited, Shane, to get a chance to talk to you about it as we continue the the no Reagan era of the podcast. Where is he? The mystery continues. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe actually undercover as a pizza delivery person somewhere. I could see him doing something like this. I actually will share a Reagan backstory. Um, when we were kids, he. He, uh, I, I remember him distinctly wanting to be a pizza delivery man. He thought <laughs> that that would be the coolest, pre- uh, the coolest career to have, because everyone loves to see the pizza delivery man. And he thought that if he was really cool about it, then then he could have a slice. I mean, pizza delivery people, deli- uh, uh, you know, they wield great power. So I don't think he was that wrong. Um, I don't know how often they get a slice, though. That doesn't feel mm-hmm. very common, but yeah, it never happened I in should... my experience. <laughs> yeah, makes you think I should start offering a slice to the pizza delivery person. I mean, it's only polite. If you're a pizza delivery person and you're listening, let us know. Have you ever had anyone turn the pizza around and offer you a slice before you drove away? Have you just taken one uh, before dropping the pizza off? <laughs> oh, that this pizza just didn't it, it came out of the oven without that slice. It's only fair. Yep. Uh, well, this is actually a, a pretty pizza-heavy game, so this conversation is uh, is very relevant to the game that we're going to talk about. But um, why don't we start by kind of setting this game up a little bit? It is a uh, it's almost a classic point-and-click adventure uh, with a tabletop uh, yeah. UI laid over the top of it. Um, why don't you sure. take a crack at, at explaining this game? Sure. So um, the the game is immediately completely visually striking because mm-hmm. uh, it just looks as weird as it is. It's a, um, <laughs> I guess it starts you off with a view of a of a room outside the window. Um, you can see a cityscape like jiving and dancing in the background. Buildings kind of jump into the beat. And uh, the the visual style is somewhere in between like um, PlayStation 2 and Discotech and like default models from uh, like (laughs) from from all the different platforms you could create 3D models in. Uh, yeah with a with I, no discernible color scheme but no lack of like vibrance and, and <laughs> a lot of colors sort of a like a cyberpunky vibe on top of everything and you're mm-hmm. like are these 
people robots or are they people um you know there there's there's sound effects throughout that make it kind of sound mm-hmm. like sometimes they're robots or some people are robots some people are not it might just be the the wacky color scheme i don't know yeah. apparently this game actually is set in a universe uh this developer cosmo, cosmo d. d they put out uh, a bunch of games uh off peak the norwood suite Tales from Off Peak City Volume One, and then Betrayal at Club Low, I believe, is their their most recent game. And apparently, most of, if not all, of these games are set in this uh, this universe, so to speak. So it is a uh, there's some design consistency. I, I've yeah. not played any of the other games. Have you had any experience with uh, those? No, this is my first interaction with this uh this developer and the, the style is this sort of very surrealist um yes. like digital surrealism that that has a you know it reminds me of the kind of outrun kind of aesthetic hmm. you know sort of that yeah. uh like early 90s pc demo culture look that you know crossed yeah. with dolly or something and within that what what you're actually doing bears a great deal of resemblance to um the gameplay of indie rpgs like you'd see in uh, i i would say this is very similar to um another game that has similar inspirations what was that uh, uh science fiction game we played recently that was also <laughs> dice based <laughs> Uh, recently that was dice based. I was thinking we did Tharsis no. uh, a long time ago. That was a dice based no, science. This isn't, game. this is not really uh Tharsis esque. If I can throw that around. No, I'm, I was thinking of the, um, the one where you're on a space station and like, you got to make friends with the vending machine. <laughs> you certainly think that we would between the two of us be able to remember a game that we covered yeah very it recently. was like reagan's game of the year and i will remember the name eventually he's listening out there oh citizen sleeper thank you yeah that's yeah so i didn't yeah i didn't play that one yeah yeah it's a it was it's i think there's a lot of overlap between the two well in this game you start out as a uh as this person you can make them whatever name you want uh you are dressed in a full pizza delivery outfit with a little hat and a big backpack that I guess you carry your pizzas in vertically, mm-hmm. which is seems uh, <laughs> horrible, but I don't know. Maybe it's the future. You know, it's like anti, maybe it's a little anti-grav. Yeah. We've, uh, yeah. we've mastered uh multi-orientation pizza transport. Yes. It's, uh, I mean, be great for saving space. And uh, you, you basically learn pretty quickly that you are, on a mission to enter into Club Low, then that's the the yes. titular. It is club. a a dance club and former coffin factory. <laughs> yes, which is a great little, uh, great little, um, you know, aesthetic there. And uh, you are tasked with entering Club Low and rescuing a like an undercover agent who is about to have their. They're cover blown and is, you know, in in grave danger and you have to get in there and help break them out. So it's a pretty classic, uh, I I don't know, tabletop type quest. It's a pretty classic sort of spy game quest. You know, you got to get in there. Yeah, you got to get them out. It's um, it's six sided dice based in terms of its little RPG system. It's which is part of what makes it um, similar to these kind of 
indie RPG zines, which are something I really love to find. There's a Houston zine fest, by the way, that mm. uh, I highly recommend to other people, or if your city has such a thing. And uh, for people who are uh, who love weirdo RPGs, the ones that someone hand publishes and staples together are the yeah. creme de la creme. And uh, this one, ha- it has a skill system. All of your interactions are pretty much driven by a set of seven skills, which are athletics, cooking, deception, music, observation, wisdom, and wit. So you can already see it's kind of inspired by the classic skill systems of RPGs, but there are some very uh, standout, unique elements there. The fact that you are a pizza delivery guy and that um, cooking is a big part of the mechanics of this game gives you already a pretty good understanding of some of the weird stuff that you're going to be doing. Uh, There are, for example, a large number of places in the game uh, where this this club is littered with pizza ovens that are hot and ready. I mean, what a like dream scenario, if you ask me. That's the type of club that I want to go to. I, I want to go to an old coffin factory that is just rife with uh, pizza ovens that I can access. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, the, I think we should talk about the pizza ovens and the pizza die here in a moment. But first, I think... Uh, you know the the thing that really stood out to me in this game, and something that you know it's it's a lot of fun, is when we say this is a you know set up like a tabletop game with dice and whatnot. We mean very literally. You have these skills, uh, you know, observation, cooking, music, and whatever, and they're represented on the screen with you can see the six sides of a die next to each one of those skills. And when you start the game, it'll be like three of the sides are a one and three of the sides are a two. And so, you know, when you roll that dice, which is visually happening on the screen, dice are bouncing Mm -hmm. around on the screen as if there's sort of a glass tabletop across the entire, uh, you know, the, the the entire world that you're watching. I, I really like, by the way, that sometimes the dice can like land kind of on each other and end up not perfectly flat or a little cocked or something like that. And there's a button to kick the table to kind of jiggle the dice until they all land flat. Uh, Very. Yeah, it's a a great little uh, like addition there that just makes it feel a little more real, a little more tactile. Mm -hmm. And so you are in a classic RPG style. You're encountering all these different scenarios where you have different paths to solve it. Um, and usually or not usually pretty much every time the way you succeed in solving the situation is you will be tested. Let's say you may need to test your cooking skill against something. You will roll your cooking dice and whoever or whatever you're testing against will also roll a die. And if your number matches or beats their die, then you succeed in the check. And but the game gets far more complicated than that because there's a lot of things that add and remove die from the tray. And, and that's what Shane was talking about a moment ago with the pizza stations. One of my favorite things about this game, not just the pizza element of it, although of course that's nice, but the pizza station actually serves a practical purpose in this game. And that is that you get to create your own die that are called pizza die. 
and these are fully customizable die that are uh, also pizzas, also pizzas that you will you also build collect the, the toppings for these. Guys, <laughs> yeah, which like are findable the objects. Yes, <laughs> yeah. The, so you might find uh, some fresh mozzarella by pickpocketing a guard, and uh, that fresh mozzarella mozzarella is a is is a $2 uh, side of like face of one of your die. And so you can build these little die that every time you do a skill roll, you're also rolling your pizza dice Uh, and you ultimately end up with multiple pizza dice. And so you're completely customizing with whether it's getting you money or re-rolls or health or um, (laughs) you mentioned getting the money Um, like the, the, the there there are lots of ways to get money, but um, the the pizza dice were probably the most reliable way, <laughs> and the money is used to spend at any time to upgrade your dice, which leads to these really interesting kind of decision points where you're getting ready to um, you know, even right up into the moment when you're about to roll your dice for a particular skill, you can go in and spend like. 50 bucks to make that dice that you're about to roll much better um (laughs) which is i mean it's it it is honestly cool and the fact that like there's not a huge penalty for like losing most of these dice rolls in fact i would say uh the majority of the dice rolls in this you can try over and over and over again and uh, experience nothing negative apart from your own shame and um (laughs) when you do that you're also usually also you're piling up money so you can kind of grind your way through the game that however was not a realization that i had until i had died twice in this game (laughs) yeah it took me a little while to really click with the system and recognize what was possible um because there there are there are also um two uh, sort of health bars mm-hmm. that you are managing. Some of this game, I do believe, was inspired by something like Disco Elysium, mm-hmm. which basically every RPG now is carries elements of that game. But you have a physical health and you have essentially a mental health and losing roles or particularly challenging roles or getting in fights with people um, they may roll a die that can impact your physical or mental health. And if either of those reduce to zero and you only start at five, uh, you will lose the game, whether it's dying or something else. There's actually a ton of different endings to this game. Uh, and it it's I, I think I ended there up are 11 my endings course. to this game. Yeah. OK, I saw four of them and I think. They're basically lined up to like how far into the game are you and what was your cause for the game ending. So you if you die, you know, there's a couple different ways and times that you can die and there'll be an ending appropriate to that. And then there are like I think there's the ideal ending and then there's other quote unquote good endings that you can get to. Um, I don't think we'll spend too much time talking about it in this episode but i saw four of them including one of the final endings uh but yeah like that ability what you were saying you know a lot of it is sort of managing these resources and Mm -hmm. taking maybe purposefully uh 
you know, more challenging roles because you're trying to access some resource, accrue more money, or maybe there's an opportunity for you to gain some health in this role. So you may do that one a couple more times. Um, but I, I actually think the way they handle uh, rolling and failing is pretty interesting. Um, but before I mention that, I want to say like, like Disco Elysium, a lot of these things are redoable, except for ones that are very clearly, it says only once you know right away if this is going to be a role that you only get one shot at. So you may choose to save it and and bulk up that stat. But um, uh, I think the other biggest like mechanic in this game that really makes it work and makes it more interesting and also often very funny is the condition. Uh, yeah, the condition uh, mechanic. Dice. Yeah, which so you've already got the dice that you're the the thing you're trying to beat, which can be like a person or like a pot of stew or like a ladder or, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, they'll have their core dice. You have your core dice and your pizza dice. But then there's a variety of conditions uh, and these conditions can be positive ones. So let's say you just aced a really challenging role. You may now have the condition of confident and that gives you a one-time roll, a one-time dice that has really positive uh, modifiers, maybe a plus one, a plus two. It might be uh, a regaining of some health or mental health. Uh, And you get it one time the next time you are using that skill. Uh, But if you fail a roll, the penalty is most often a negative condition, which will again be a one-time use but they're pretty funny usually. So if you were trying to like dancing is a big thing in this game. And so if you were trying to dance your way into a solution and you failed it, you're probably going to get a condition like embarrassed or feeling awkward or tired and maybe sometimes both or all three, depending on just how badly you failed and and what the stakes of the situation were. Mm -hmm. And so the next time you have to roll that same skill Now that condition is going to be a dice that the opponent rolls and often gives. uh, Well, actually, it depends on the condition. You may still roll it, but it may give you a negative. You know, if if you're tired, the next time you have to roll a physical dice. Mm -hmm. Now you have one that is all like negative one, negative two or or physical health, you know, and you just have to kind of get through it. So it does make it more difficult. If it's a role that you actually really want to pass, mm-hmm. failing it makes it more difficult to pass it the next yeah. time. That's actually the thing that was interesting to me about this system is it has this snowballing element where you know, if you're not doing well, it kind of incentivizes you to back off and find some easier thing that you can do. And in yeah. particular, it's it's a little odd because let's say you're failing at something physical um, and then you get a bunch of negative consequence dice that are going to affect your ability to do other physical stuff. Um, it doesn't affect your like social or I don't know, cooking or whatever. So um, it definitely incentivizes you to be a little bit more of a generalist so that you can always find your way forward. But also those condition dice don't go away unless you succeed or really, unless you do something in in that kind of arena. So you kind of need to go and find something physically easy to do. 
um, in order to burn those off because they don't last forever. But if you keep failing, you might burn some of them off, but you're just going to be replacing them as you you're going to get them back. Yeah. Yeah. That if you try the same the exact same role and you fail, you just get the same. You, you technically lose the negative condition, but you just get it right back. Mm-hmm. So there does it does like any tabletop RPG, like a lot of this does kind of come down to like number crunching where you can see before you commit to any sort of skill check, you can see exactly what dice they're going to be rolling and Mm -hmm. exactly what dice you're going to be rolling. So you can look and see, am I capable of passing this? Do I even have a chance? And I I kept early on as I was playing, I kept thinking, well, I guess they'd warn me if I was trying to do something completely impossible. No, uh, they will not. (laughs) They will, they will say it shows you right up at the top of the screen that, you know, they've got all sixes on their dice and, uh, you know, you've got all threes. And so there is not a chance in hell that you're going to succeed. Literally. You cannot win. Uh, you can try one thing, but you can try. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I, I really liked about this game, uh, with the, the way they use conditions though, is that sometimes for a more challenging, uh, thing that you have to accomplish like there's a ton of stuff in this game that is not sort of mission critical but allows you these chances to sort of burn dice or accrue money or whatever but there are a few that it's like obvious you have to beat this skill check and often the uh the the sort of final skill check that's going to move the story forward is really really challenging so you'll see something where yeah. it's like they're their dice will be like Shane said, all sixes, or it'll be like three sixes, a seven, a nine, and a ten. And you're sitting there with, you know, your die only having like a three, a four, and a five. But this same skill check, often these are a person you're trying to convince to do something or get a piece of information from. They'll have like four or five other littler skill challenges you can do with them where it'll be something like impress them with your dancing and it's a more likely to be achieved challenge that if you do it applies a permanent condition to this person that'll be something like impressed with your dancing and now they have (laughs) a single die that is all negative ones so you know okay they can roll a six seven eight or nine or whatever but now no matter what they have a negative one so it's also maybe worth I throwing have out there, a, uh, there's a bunch of re-rolling mechanics that you can use to influence this as well you've got a couple of do-overs on your dice yeah oh yeah so every time you have two re-rolls and it's like yahtzee you can you can select which ones you want to keep and which ones you want to re-roll and then on your custom pizza die you can add in re-rolls that allow you to force your uh opponent to re-roll and then there's one special item that i found i think uh, you pickpocket someone for it i don't know if you found it but i found this pretty crucial to succeeding later in the game there's one that actually when you roll it it swaps your die with the opponent's die did you happen to find that item what's that yeah so uh i forget it was like a like a roasted jalapeno pepper or something like that like uh, but it basically, I mean, it, it, it won me multiple challenging rolls because if they roll like an eight on theirs, you roll that, you just swap 
now you have the eight and you can just you know win right off of that you don't even have to beat them so it was a really powerful item i my if you play this game which i do recommend that you do like pickpocket everybody uh search everything because a lot of these special pizza items are are hidden and they can make a huge difference um but anyway the the like these bigger challenges you'll have a list of like four or five different things you can do that ultimately result in that final one which was probably impossible uh to beat now you've stacked up these conditions on the person that you're trying to talk to and it'll be pretty funny it'll be like loves your dancing out of breath from laughing respects your cooking you know things that you've actually done to like can to sway them to your side or make yourself more uh um, like believable or whatever it may be uh it, it it's a lot of fun and and it really feels like a uh like like a good little one shot campaign you know there's like a lot of different routes you can take there's a uh club low is interestingly designed with a lot of interconnecting uh rooms and uh like hard light ladders that can mm. uh move you from place to place so there's a lot of like uh, very surreal and dreamlike logic in this game like where you have mm-hmm. um Lots of the doors are laser grids that you can sing in order to harmonize with to get through them. Uh, weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. And on top of that, with, you know, as we mentioned, the visuals are uh, somewhere in between uh, cartoony and Gary's mod. And um, just yeah. bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Gary's mod is a good. Yeah. They're, they're, and like, yeah the the character design is all over the place uh it's it's really hard to really break down all the individual pieces of this of this game um but it all kind of works like this isn't really a design aesthetic that i personally find myself attracted to i don't know that anyone necessarily does i think it's sort of purposefully it's kind of repellent to some degree. <laughs> yes. yeah it's it's yeah, hideous but know. uh but also cool i don't know yeah but it also made me laugh a fair amount and like the writing is good and bizarre enough that it really does add to the overall tone and if this game looked not like it does i actually don't think it would work as well at least not with the writing also you know i think Mm -hmm. this mechanic you could use like this mechanic in and of itself is really really good and really really fun um but the 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 writing and the visual elements really go hand in hand and work really well this game made me laugh a fair amount and I don't like to repeat jokes on the show because that's not the best way to uh, engage in a game's humor. But I think, you know, we play a lot of games that try to be funny and some games are more successful than others. And uh, this is a a pretty funny game and not in just like a Internet referential way that so many sort of like indie games that we play often are. It's it's a pretty unique style of humor that matches the surrealness. If I had one thing that I'll recommend to our listeners, both Nate and I sat down and tried to play this game on the steam deck. And, um, I would, I would really recommend that you grab a mouse for this one. Um, 
it's it's a little bit janky on the Steam Deck, despite the fact that yes. being a point and click, you know, with a couple of track pads, you're you're pretty much okay. Um, I what was your experience like, Nate? Yeah, so I did. I fully played this on Steam Deck. I did not bail, but it it was I did, and I moved I to the computer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I kind of wish that I would have, but I'm stubborn, especially once I had like kind of a, a long run going. I just thought, eh, I'll play through it, and it, it's not impossible, you know. And I and I love the Steam Deck, so I'm willing to, uh, you know, do I guess a a less ideal experience for the the sake of the um the rest of the experience on, on the steam deck, but like it's just clunky. And, and to be fair, it doesn't say that it's steam deck compatible. Like they're not pretending that it is. You get all the pop-ups when you play it on steam deck that are like, we don't know if this is going to work or not. So uh, why are we complaining? So but we are. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, it's a public service announcement. You can do it. Like I did. Um, but it just doesn't, Mm-hmm. work as smoothly as i think this game is is designed and there are a couple things that like literally just were inconsistent on whether it did what the button typically does so there's some real opportunities for improvement on the steam deck experience but uh again you could make it work but i think i'd recommend just mm-hmm. starting it on on your uh on your computer yeah for sure i i think there's one thing um that I, I leaned into very heavily using the like press a button to highlight every interactable object on your screen thing because uh, mm-hmm. you know mousing around and hovering your mouse on things doesn't work that well on the Steam Deck. In a game as colorful and over the top visually as this, it did seem kind of strange how many things didn't jump out as being interactive <laughs> until you hit that button. Um, yeah. <laughs> But it's a it's just a really um, it's just a really fun little world to explore. Like you're, you're going to be able to wander around and, uh, you know, knock on every door, drink from every puddle. Um, it's pretty yeah. out there. Yeah, there there are some skill checks that have some uh, impact that you may not have expected them to and maybe not always positively, but I would still recommend uh, interacting with everything. This game is set up to be a multiple runs sort of thing. It really wants you to like go as far as you can, oh, yeah. die or otherwise, and then start a new run and and maybe try a different approach. Um, so sure, you know, just go I out and experiment so pointlessly. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I I my last run. I made it all the way to the end and I literally failed on the very last skill check for the like ideal ending and it kind of drove me crazy. But ultimately, I think uh, a full run, if you truly try to interact with everything uh, and complete every possible skill check, everything uh probably two hours to maybe three um i think i spent about four hours total with this game which was basically two half hour runs and then one almost three hours long run which is the one where i made yeah. it again like i think i i had essentially like a 100 percent run minus failing the literally the last one but i still got an ending that was interesting and fun and i'm 
kind of glad that I saw it, but it was still disappointing to fail the the core mission on the last one. But um, right in our wheelhouse as far as time, and mm-hmm. uh, I think we both both are recommending this game pretty heavily. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's definitely for our listeners. This is for the um, weird interactive fiction fans, and uh, I think that's a lot of our uh, fans <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we've got some time left. Uh, I think we haven't done this for a little while, Shane. Uh, what's what's been making you happy recently? Well, I'm going to be super basic and say that. The thing making me happy right now has been checking out The Bear. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen this show at all, The Bear? No, but it's very high up on my. Yeah, it's very high up on my list of of shows that I want to watch. Sure. For for anybody who doesn't know about this show, it's uh, streaming on Hulu. It's an FX show, and um, it's the story of a kind of a young chef who has been working in some of the greatest restaurants in the world, but he's come back to his family's sandwich shop in Chicago um, to take it over after his brother, who had owned it prior, um, had uh, taken his own life. And uh, it's the thing that confused me about this show as I got started with it was that it is billed almost everywhere, including very prominently in the Hulu app as a comedy. And it is, uh, I'm not going to say it's not funny, but it's quite dark. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's um, it's had its second season come out recently. And I, I had heard a little bit about it um, when its first season was coming out. Uh, but the second season, it was getting kind of even greater accolades. And, and I, I figured I would just pick it up. It's a really excellent um, example of something that I think is a dying breed in television, and that is the half-hour drama. Um, it's mm-hmm. sort of a comedy drama, but you know, in the streaming age, almost all of these shows have ballooned up to an hour, and um, you know, even at a half hour, this thing is is quick. One of my favorite things stylistically is. They actually does really good montages. There are like cooking montages, hmm. Chicago montages, uh, little musical character walking down the street or, you know, vignettes of their lives montages. And it also has uh, something that I really like in any kind of movie or media, which is a bunch of people working hard together to uh, kind of build something together. Right. Um, just, you know, a bunch of fairly competent people uh getting along and not mm-hmm. getting along while they uh while they work together towards a towards a common goal it's um it's it's fantastic uh i think it's not just um like when i talk about things like the the montages and stuff that it's a lot of that is the directing and the editing um all of those are really excellent the cast is really good and uh you know in particular I I have really enjoyed um, in the second season seeing all of these characters kind of getting through their family trauma and things like that. You know, I, I don't want to spoil anything because it's it's a you know the, yeah. it's a it's a half hour show. Uh, you could sum up like half of these episodes in a sentence, um, but the time you spend with the characters is just really uh, enlightening, and you just kind of. It, it's very slow drip to kind of give you the background and the history for the characters, which 
uh, that's catnip to me. I love to I love to watch them dealing with the issues of the day, uh, but also quietly behind the scenes dealing with all of the um, you know problems that they've had in their you know home lives and family that you you barely yeah. see on the periphery uh, of these stories. Really loving it. Um, so yeah, big recommendation. Yeah, I've been really wanting to watch it. Um, I've also spent. Uh, a fair amount of time in Chicago. I love Chicago, and uh, I also, in particular, love the the food scene of Chicago. And so, this show gets recommended to me from that angle as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I will watch it soon. But I just have, yeah, particularly in the second season. The- there's a lot of like, um, there, there's a lot of celebrity kind of guest stars or kind of reappearing side characters. Um, and, uh, there's, a, there's also just a lot of like Chicago stuff going on. So yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Did, did you see the movie, the menu? Yes, actually. Um, so there's some, there's some shared DNA between this and the menu. Um, <laughs> there's, um, the main character of, of this show, Carmi has had, well, I mean, he's got a lot of various traumas in his life, uh, but among them, is uh, his experience working for a um, really abusive and aggressive uh, head chef at a at a restaurant yeah. in New York City, um, and the um, the the picture that the menu paints of kind of high cuisine fanciness is a little bit um i mean it's a horror movie they all kill each other <laughs> yeah. um so it and you know, I, oh i have to kind of tell you about the 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 experience so the, i love uh the kind of um silly bullshit that you get at some of the weirdest high-end restaurants you know where someone assembles yeah. some salad or whatever that's made out of I don't know, all of the ingredients from the nearby forest and, you know, each one tells Mm -hmm. its own story. You know, I love that kind of shit. Um, Yeah. There is a, there's a restaurant in Houston um, called um, Eculent. And uh, (laughs) Eculent is, uh, it's kind of that kind of taken to the uh, level of stunt food pretty much. Uh, yeah. Like there's, you'll, you'll, you'll sit down and like the first thing you eat might be uh pork belly wrapped in cotton candy, you know, or you might have uh, like a mushroom and dirt salad or, <laughs> you know, stuff, stuff that's really, uh, really out there. I, I love that. So, so th- these, both of those things um, made, made, made me happy for those reasons. And I, I, I like the, <laughs> the weird out there food that was assembled with tweezers or uses some unconventional kitchen gadget that no one else knows what it is. Yeah. yeah I, um, I, I don't have a ton of those sorts of experiences, but I worked in a restaurant for a little while. It was not high end, but a lot of my very close friends have worked in high end restaurants and like that that sort of content, you know, is is they have a love hate relationship with it because mm-hmm. it's great, but also it just gives you flashbacks to working in places like that. Uh, but the menu was one of my favorite movies from last year. I just loved that movie. Uh, 
Well, I've got a uh, a recommendation. Um, I think we're we're both talking about stuff that doesn't necessarily need any more, uh, you know, recommendations out there. But but I I don't watch a ton of TV. Um, but one of my favorite shows just had its third is is in the process of releasing its third season. And so when I think about what's making me happy, this is pretty high up there. Uh, have you ever watched The Righteous Gemstones? Oh, yes, I I saw most of the first season. Um, but what tends to happen in my house is uh, if I if I do anything that's not watching TV, and, and I'm not. I don't like really try to keep up. Julia will just keep watching the show without me. Yeah. She's ruthless. And uh, <laughs> so I got really far behind in the righteous gemstone. So I am, uh, I have seen the first season and I've seen like individual episodes spread throughout the rest. Well, it's absolutely one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, the third season is really confirming it for me. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's about a family, a, uh, a family that runs a mega church. Uh, John Goodman is the is sort of the patriarch of the family. Him and his wife, who has passed away, had started this mega church for seemingly good reasons. Uh, but now their kids, who are Danny McBride, Edie Patterson, and Adam Devine, you know, all they're straight so, up comedy, so good together. Like they're all yeah. incredible comedians. But when you put them uh, together, the energy is ridiculous. Yeah. And the song, the music. <laughs> the, well, the whole show. This is part of why I love it. So, if you're familiar with Danny McBride's work, uh, you know Eastbound and Down uh-huh. and, and uh, things like that. It's a similar comedy style. What's your favorite um, song, and why is it Misbehaving? <laughs> of course, it's Misbehaving. <laughs> uh, it's it's a fan. Yeah, that song is like always stuck in my head. Although there's a couple good ones in the third season too, uh, but. The it, the show really centers around these three the three fully grown adult children who are just <laughs> horrible true truly adult children. Yeah, because I mean, they, they, but they, they're horrible and spoiled, and they're they're trying to like basically run the church, and it's they're just awful. They're awful people, top to bottom. But it's very very funny, um, and. Some personal side of it. So my grandpa was a minister, but not at a mega church. But I definitely had a ton of experiences as a kid and in my teenage years going to these mega church things. He he was a minister at a tiny little church, the kind of stuff that gets like squashed by these mega churches. Um, and the show, I think is very well researched around the sort of relationship between these mega churches and how awful they are often. Uh, and so the show has a, just this underlying element of like social commentary and, uh, you know, indictment of the uh, c- sort of capitalism that swirls around organized religion and then on top of it, it's just hilarious and all fantastic performances. It also, one last note on it, like the show has a degree of like action and suspense that I would not expect from a show yeah. like this. <laughs> it is, uh, it's not unlike a Coen Brothers film where it's a bunch of idiots who find themselves in incredibly complex dangerous situations uh kind of 
repeatedly. Uh, and because it's a TV show, you just get it every single week. So the third season is as good as it's been. Uh, and I absolutely love it. So uh, it's on Max, which I guess is the now the new name, the rebranded name of HBO Max. Get the big Max. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. So Shane and I are both recommending two of the most popular shows on there right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I that's uh, what our listeners absolutely. come to us for is uh, recommendations for television shows, which are already uh, multi-season awards winners. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we balance it with uh, the recommendation of Betrayal at Club Low, a fantastic indie game uh, that we absolutely loved. And oh, yeah. after playing this, I went and watched The Righteous Gemstones. It is the uh, it is the Righteous Gemstones of indie um, RPG dice games for computer. <laughs> sure. I don't know how you would qualify that, but I'm not going to disagree. So... Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Just a nice quick one. I think we'll have uh, more of the crew back next week as Laura comes back from a, a great trip and and we find Reagan wherever he may be. Um, and uh, uh, we want to remind everybody that this show is listener supported on Patreon. Shout out to all of our patrons. Absolutely. Uh, Big shout out to the patrons in the discord right now. Another thing making me happy was everyone in the discord um, spontaneously discussing how they found the show, which I found to be really nice. There were a lot of different answers, everything from people Mm -hmm. who searched for specific games that we covered on Google or Apple podcast to found us through our coverage of things like IF comp or our interviews with people like Sam Barlow and uh, the, you know, and a lot of people who just heard about us from word of mouth. So speaking of, if you have a mouth and you can use that mouth to spread word of our podcast, we appreciate that very deeply. Uh, word of mouth is how I would say most of these people have found us. Um, and uh, if you found us in some weird way, uh, like, you know, uh, personally stalking us or um, using the somehow you got the stumble upon button working again. <laughs> or Ooh, that is a uh, uh, that is a throwback or 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 anywhere else i would love to know how you found us uh you can reach out to us through any of our socials that can be found on shortgame.fm if you visit shortgame.fm it's a fantastic launching page that gives you access to the podcast it's a great a link to share to those friends um, and it has links to the socials of everyone involved so Uh, Please share it, uh, visit it, talk to us, um, and most importantly, give us your game recommendations because we are still gamers with a tiny niche, a tiny niche full of tiny games. So please (laughs) help us fill our niche. Yes, uh, recommendations are how we make a ton of our selections for this show. So let us know. I think Shane and I will certainly be getting near the end of tears of the kingdom uh in the next few months so my my time for even more little games for the show will hopefully uh expand although Baldur's gate 3 is coming out later this year and i'm very excited about that i don't know if you if i don't know if you and i've talked about that yet not Shane. really uh, I, you know i love D, but yeah. i've never played any of the Baldur's gate games or really any of the um D computer rpgs 
Well, I played Baldur's Gate 2 and I loved it. And that was like 10 years ago. So uh, we'll see. But I'm excited for Baldur's Gate 3. But uh, anyway, I think that's it for this episode. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next week, as always. One more thing. If you're listening and you are the person who has captured my brother, please let him go. Um, Mm -hmm. Get in touch. We could provide a ransom if it is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Or would, you know, sit and play some games with you or something. Maybe that maybe they kidnapped Reagan just to play games with him. In which case, you could have got us too. I mean, just join the Discord if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of kidnapping, pay $2 a month. <laughs> <laughs>